Anderson. Hits it in the air to right. Back at the wall. And the White Sox win it. Sox win. Welcome in. This is the Feeling Soxy podcast. Welcome back. This is Clint Klaus. Clint Klaus, are you feeling soxy today? Well, you must be because you tuned in. Sorry, guys. I got a little got a little too excited there. Just a little extra excited, you know. When the season is just closer, that's when I get the most excited. That's when I get the most excited. I get jittery with excitement. I just want to scream. I just want to scream. As you can tell, I'm feeling a little soxy. I think we're we're at a four on the soxy meter, so we're at about 80 percent soxy meter. So that so we are we're obviously doing better. Then obviously the start of our last podcast where I was at a one and I was complaining about the White Sox offseason and them not doing this, not doing that. So we obviously got past that. And so when you get past all that, then it leads to the excitement of the regular season. And as we get closer to the regular season, obviously we'll have more projections on more players. As we get to in this show, as we'll get to the starting pitchers, what we expect out of Kopech, Lancelin, and Dallas Keuchel doing it a little bit of a different format than what I had been doing in previous podcast episodes because I felt like it would be a little bit easier to just kind of group all three of them into one particular podcast because they're all pretty much in the same position. So why would we try and separate them and try and be like, oh, now we're going to do Keuchel and Josh Harrison and we're going to do Lancelin and Leary Garcia. No, I, I thought it'd just be easier if we just grouped all three pitchers into one so that it would be one big analysis of what we what I expect well what, what I expect what everybody else expects out of what these three starting pitchers Kopech, Dallas Keuchel and Lance Lynn cuz they are going to be very big very big keys to determining this team's success because a lot of people think very highly of this White Sox rotation and that's not just because of G Lito and Lance Lynn but also, it's because of Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease has what some White Sox pitchers call as the nastiest stuff on the entire staff. The entire staff. He has a 98-mile-per-hour fastball. He has a curveball that has movement. He has a good changeup. He has a good slider. He has really a good repertoire where all of his pitches are just supremely nasty. And... You know, he started today against the Texas Rangers. He went four innings, had three strikeouts, one walk, and just two hits. And if the White Sox are getting that kind of production out of Dylan Cease, then that's that's the type of production that we need to see from him going into the upcoming season because that's the key. The White Sox starting pitching, which a lot of people have been a little... I guess, you know, some people think, it, think highly of it more than other, more than others. But it's because of guys like Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech that people think very highly of it. The only problem with those guys is is their experience. Dylan Cease is has all the dominant stuff to be the best pitcher in the American League. He just like I said in previous podcasts, he has to put put it all together with consistency. He has to be able to consistently put together great start after great start 
after a great start. I mean, every once in a while, you could throw in a little stinker. But if you're consistently putting together those great starts after great starts where you're going seven innings and striking out 12, that's going to be huge to this White Sox rotation very much as so as Luis Robert and Jose Abreu's impact bats being in the lineup. If you're having starting pitchers that are holding down opponents to just two or three runs, then you're going to win eight times out of ten because with this offense and the guys that they have in the back load, they can ha- like this offense can hang with anybody in the American League, and I firmly believe that. I firmly believe that. And the offense was on display today. Now, granted, it was it was a little bit of backups. You know, Zebby Savala hit a two-run homer. Romy Gonzalez hit a long home run, and Zach Rimmeld, a, a very unknown Zach Rimmeld who has been who has played many different positions, spring training. He had a home run. They dominated the Texas Rangers. They beat them seven to nothing. Dylan Cease again looked really good. And it was only four innings pitch. It was his longest spring training outing. He'll get one more in, which is apparently going to be against the Cubs. And so that's going to be a fun sight to see. I mean, Dylan Cease against the Cubs, he's just he's just going to dominate. But that's not... I always just have this theory that you know, no matter what the sport is, that when you're in a revenge game sort of scenario where you go back or you're going up against the team that... You that used to have you, that signed you, first signed you, drafted you, and then they trade you, and the first time you get back at that team, I call those revenge games. I always give the advantage to the player. The teams have teams almost have no chance at those games, and I know it's a spring trading game against the Cubs, but the Cubs will pretty much have no chance against Dylan Cease going into that. And we're almost, we're inching closer to the start of opening day and with the start of opening day we are going to get into the preview of the rest of the starting rotation all right and now we are going to preview our next upcoming three players as i decided to round out the rest of the starting rotation i know i'm kind of doing things a little bit different in regards to the countdown of what i expect out of the what I expect out of the upcoming White Sox players for the upcoming season. The way I've been doing it is I've been presenting two players at a, two different players at a time. And, you know, we started off with Tim Anderson and Moncada. And then I did Giolito and Dylan Cease. And then went to four different position players of Luis Robert, Aloy Jimenez, Jose Abreu, and Yasmani Grandal. So I thought I would go back to the starting pitchers and I would... Thick. And I thought it would just be a good idea to just round out the rest of the ro- rotation, no, not counting Vince Velasquez because he won't be here by June. So we'll start with the horse of the staff, the big horse, Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn, your favorite pitcher, my favorite pitcher, your dad's favorite pitcher, your grandpa's favorite pitcher, a, th- a throwback, a throwback White Sox pitcher. You know, he's a big guy throws heat and he doesn't come out of games what won't you won't have to take the ball out like you're gonna have to kill Lance Lynn to get the ball out of his hands and that's the type of competitive edge that I like out of our starting pitchers that I want them to have that competitive edge of they're gonna get everybody out so with Lance Lynn he is heading into his 11th season 
in the major leagues. He is 32 years old. He's 32 years old. So, and he has had, last year obviously was an all-star with an ERA of 2.69 and in 28 starts. Towards the end of the season, he did kind of tail off towards the end of it. Really kind of struggled towards the end of the season. He really did not have some very good starts. He had a number of starts where, you know, you kind of look look at that and say, well, that, you know, you can kind of wash that one away. So, are we expecting Lancelin to be the vintage Lancelin? I mean, I I personally don't know. I mean, this is the same thing like with Tim Anderson. Is Tim Anderson going to keep hitting over 300? Is Lancelin going to have an ERA of three? I think if he stays healthy, obviously, you know, obviously health is the number one thing. And then I think number two is if he can still get good movement on all of his pitches because Lancelin throws four pitches that are just four different variations of fastballs. And if he gets good movement on them, then that leads to catastrophic results to the opposing offense. But obviously, if he's facing a team that is very good at hitting fastballs, like when they face the Houston Astros in the playoffs, it it doesn't end well when you're going up, when you have Lance Lint against a fastball hitting team. So, I guess what I'm asking out of Lance Lynn this year is just add in a couple breaking balls. Just add in a breaking ball. Just add in a slider or like a sinker. I actually think a sinker is a variation of a fastball, but just mix it up some. Like, don't just have a repertoire where you're only throwing fastballs. Like, that's literally what's... That was one of the reasons that sunk us because, well, number one, the Astros... If you are a the best fastball hitting team in baseball, why would you start game one uh, a guy who throws different variations of fastballs? I'm I'm not going to go into all of that. But obviously, the projections for Lynn are they think he'll go 11-7 and seven with an ERA of just under 3.4. So still reasonably good Lance Lynn numbers for his age. I actually had that wrong. I said he was 31. He's 35 years old, so he's getting up there at age. So we don't really... So how, So I guess my question for Lance Lynn is, how much longer is he going to be able to really put this together and continue to have good season after good season? I mean, with the way that some pitchers go, I mean, some pitchers are just going to pitch until they're 40 years old. Hopefully Lance Lynn is one of those guys. But at the same time, you know, father time is undefeated. So I, but just by looking at what everybody else has projected, he's averaged to about 11 wins. I think that's a little bit underrated. I think if he's, obviously if he stays healthy, because I think towards the end he was having some back issues. So obviously I think Lancelin will have another pretty good Lancelin type year. I don't know. I don't think it'll be as good as last year when he made the all-star team. But I think, but I still think he'll put up reasonably good numbers that that'll that we won't have to throw, you know, we won't have to throw fits over it. And throwing fits about starting pitchers is what I do with this particular guy, Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel is like I've white the White Sox, and this this happens all the time. One year, you love a guy. Like, I remember heading into the 2020 season, everybody loved Dallas Keuchel. 
e- even me, because the 2020 Dallas Keuchel was dominant. Six and two, 1.99 ERA in, what was it, 12 starts? I mean, Lance, Dallas Keuchel was dominant. Dallas Keuchel, like, I was like, I can't believe we signed this guy. This was a great free agent signing. And it was because, you know, at the time, that was the, that was the narrative that White Sox, the White Sox don't deal with Scott Boras clients, which is what Dallas Keuchel is. But obviously, everything kind of, I think, I feel like everything flipped for Dallas Keuchel in game two of the division series when he got roughed up by the A's. And I feel like ever since then, he just has not been the same pitcher. I don't know if that's, like, I don't know what that really has to do with. I don't know if that has to do with, you know, he was just not getting a good feel for all of his pitches. I don't know if he's one of those guys, like, you know how Javier Vasquez was, where Javier Vasquez would have a good year, and then the next year he would have a terrible year. I I don't know if he's going to have one of those years. Obviously, the White Sox are highly optimistic about that. I mean, I I certainly wouldn't, like, hold my, I wouldn't hold out hope over it, but I mean, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if Dallas Keuchel just sort of came out of nowhere and just reverted back to the Dallas Keuchel of old where, you know, hey, he's going six, seven innings, giving up only one run, and about 70% of his outs are all ground ball outs. But we all know But we all know how last year ended for Dallas Keuchel. He, he was bad. He was so bad to the point where they actually took him out of the rotation, relieved him one game, and he blew the lead in that one game so much so that he ended up not being on the postseason roster. Like, could you imagine when we signed Dallas Keuchel that he would not be on the postseason roster that and, and being healthy like that? It's insane. It's crazy. Like, it's crazy that this is just what, like, what Dallas Keuchel became. And obviously, it's difficult for a guy like that when. You're not a hard throw. Like, Dallas Keuchel doesn't throw hard. He's more of a throwback guy. Sort of sort of like Mark Burley. A, maybe a slightly better version of Mark Burley where he has a little bit more of a different repertoire. Obviously, he doesn't work as fast as Burley did. But, like, w- what happened to him? Like, I, I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if the age sort of got to him. Because, I mean, Dallas Keuchel last year had his highest ERA since... 2016 when he had a 4.55 he hadn't had an ERA over 5 since 2013 so you're talking about an 8 year stretch where he had an ERA of at least 3 and then last year he had an ERA of 5.5 like that's not going to cut it that's not going to cut it like you, like we paid this guy what was it 3 years 60 million dollars you gotta be able to step it up I mean this is a do or die time for you because you either have to advance and get better and revert back to those same forms or Dallas Keuchel is going to be just like Vince Velasquez and in the dumpster by the time June rolls around and we have to end up eating his contract because we paid him a boatload of money and he ended up not doing diddly squat outside of being a terrific defender but not being able to get anybody out so that that's what I hope for like I I just hope that Dallas Keuchel can just get out he doesn't have to be this dazzling 99 mile per hour fastball guy like Garrett Crochet all he has to do is try and revert back and keep getting guys to reduce to induce into ground outs because that's when he's at his best when he has a sinker ball 
because that will set up all his other pitches to put him in a spot where we don't have to be clamoring over, oh my God, we need another starting pitcher, which I still think we do. But if Dallas Keuchel obviously goes back to being old Dallas Keuchel, I mean, that, that's something that people aren't going to complain about. I know the White Sox, I mean, that's one less trade that they have to make because Dallas Keuchel actually reverted back and went back to being the Dallas Keuchel of old. And then our number five guy, the guy who we have been waiting for, like us White Sox fans, have been waiting for this guy to start and be a regular in the starting rotation for, what is it, three or four years now? Since Michael Kopech last started a game, which was three years ago, 2018, in September when he obviously tore his MCL and had to get Tommy John surgery. So now this leads us to our number five starter. And the one that I think, the one that I've most anticipated watching him start games for uh, how many years have we had him? Four years now? I've been clamoring over watching Michael Kopech start games. And he only started four games last year. I watched all four of those games and you could just tell like even we'll get we'll get to his role last year but I mean Kopech basically is taking Carlos Rodon's spot in the rotation I do believe they're probably going to be on an innings restriction with him seeing as how he hasn't really had a full year of starts since 2018 when he had to get Tommy John surgery so for three years you know he was out for 2019 he opted out of 2020 so 2021 was technically his his real his real first year like we have been we have been waiting for almost three years to see what Michael Kopech can do at the major league level and for three years we we hadn't had that yet and when he did get called up you know he was like the net I was so excited when he got called up in 2018 like he he was like the next guy it was like you know this is going to be our front line ace of the staff I still think Kopech has ace-like stuff. It's more of the like it, it, the real key thing with him is, is he going to be on an innings restriction? Which I would assume that the White Sox are going to put him on one because he hasn't had a full year of starting games in almost three years. So they're, they're going to have an innings restriction on him. He's going to have a lot of starts where he only goes five innings or if he throw 75 pitches they're gonna put I, I I don't know if that's the exact the, the exact number but I would imagine that early on in the season they would want to build up his arm to get it ready for the postseason especially if they don't add another starting pitcher like Sean Manaya which they're they are still linked to him they're still linked to so they're still linked to him but obviously you can never have too many you can never have too many starting uh, extra starting arms in the rotation, which is why I I would be f- perfectly fine with Sean Manai. I think he'd be a perfect fit. He's a region rod. Shout out the NWI. But I think this is this is an all important year for Kopech, just like how it is for Dylan Cease, because I think Kopech has to show that he can consistently come out and perform at the highest level of being a starting pitcher in the major leagues. Because when you, I would kind of notice this, and he even mentioned it on when he was on the White Sox Talk podcast with, with Garfine, that he didn't really have that competitive edge. It was definitely, you know, he's in a diff- he was in a different role last year because when you're a relief pitcher, I mean, you could be called up to pitch at any point, at any time, 
at any game. And so with this, at least he'll he'll get back to having a regular routine of starting games. He, the one thing that obviously concerns me, we'll get to that in a sec, is you know he hasn't started. He had a late start to spring training, so obviously he's starting a little bit later than everybody else because everybody else is already on a very late spring training. And now you have Kopech who had COVID a couple weeks leading up to White Sox camp actually reporting itself to White Sox camp reporting and he ended up having COVID which kind of delayed his which kind of set him back a couple of weeks he's set to make his first practice league start on Friday but he's only going to go two innings they're going to take it very very slow with him so I I wouldn't be surprised if they start him in the regular season and he only goes like three or four innings his first couple of starts just to kind of help build his arm strength because those would actually be his spring training starts because he's not he's not starting in any spring training games and the ones that he is he's only going two innings so it's basically like he's doing a spot start relief in any way but that's it's going to be interesting but so he should be in a different form I think we're going to see a different Michael Kopech because he's going to be a com- in a completely different role from being a reliever when you know last year we had you know him as a nasty him and Kimbrel, which we'll get to his We'll get to him at a later podcast and his disaster and getting to Liam Hendricks. You know, it was like the three-headed monster of, you know, fastball-throwing uh, guys who throw the heat. But I'm I'm very intrigued. I'm more intrigued to see Michael Kopech pitch this year as I am Dylan Cease because I think those two guys, more than anything else, are, ju- are just as important as Dallas Keuchel and Lance Lynn. I mean, if Dallas Keuchel and Lance Lynn end up not having good seasons then obviously you have something to lean back on with Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech both taking steps forward into being reliable starting pitchers but obviously with Kopech being on the innings restriction we won't really consider him reliable until until the White Sox I guess deem necessary I guess whenever they feel like lifting the innings restriction off of him so that's what I'll I'll be very interested so as soon as they lift that innings restriction off him then He's going to be full go because I think Kopech has the stuff. He could be the best pitcher in the White Sox rotation. He's just had setback after setback. You know, this mountain to climb, that mountain to climb, that eventually it just, I don't, it hasn't overcome him yet. And when you, when he talks, he sounds very hungry. He sounds very motivated. I'm actually more excited for him than anybody else in this rotation because we can actually see him start games. Like he was the guy. Like he was like he was supposed to be better than Giolito before Giolito actually exploded, because there was that moment in time when he when he came up, Giolito wasn't good, and he he was that guy. He was going to be that guy who has been very comparable to Noah Syndergaard. Now, obviously, Syndergaard hasn't really stayed healthy, but that's all we can hope for. That's all we can hope for with all these guys is that their arms stay intact. They don't have to get Tommy John surgery because if they have to go out and add more than one or two starting pitchers, then that's not going to be good. That's not going to be good. All right, that was feeling soxy. The pitchers preview will be back next week with more White Sox baseball as we are a week away from opening day. Let's get soxy for 2022 Chicago White Sox baseball. Now let's not forget that slogan. White Sox 22, fuck you. Thank you for listening and hit subscribe at the bottom at the top.